0: Welcome to Stories of Hope. This is a podcast by the Dream Center where you will hear from people who have stories that once seemed hopeless. People whose stories of redemption and life transformation are so powerful they can only be possible by the power of Jesus.
1: Hey everyone, my name is Tatum and I'm here with Joey.
0: Hey guys, welcome to the podcast.
1: We are on the leadership team here at the Dream Center. And today we are sitting with Simone Devlin Teague. She is our crisis intervention coordinator and also the director of diversity and unity. So Simone, how are you?
2: I am great.
1: We are so excited to hear more about your story. So why don't you start off by telling us what it was like for you growing up in your family?
2: Oh, that was fantastic. I am one of seven siblings and mom and dad. And basically, we grew up, I grew up in a pretty normal African-American family. Um, and I, I say normal because when you're a kid, you think everybody in your community and most people you know or go to school with, they, they're living the same way. My mom and dad were always there. They were very active in community affairs. They, uh, You're talking PTA, the community. My mom was... Um, Cub Scout, not Cub Scout, but the Brownie leader. My dad was Cub Scouts. So naturally, me and my brothers and sisters were involved in the scouting. We were involved in athletics. They were, they were just an all-around uh, good parents, not just for us, but for the other children in the community as well. Church, of course, was an important part of our life. I can't remember a time when we did not go to church or weren't involved in VBS or those other activities that were sponsored by the church.
0: You know, I've, I've heard you talk about your dad and how he cared about you guys and, and took you to church and your mm-hmm. family and led in that role. When in your life did you realize that um, because you had that influence of your parents and going to church, when did you realize that you needed The Lord is your Savior. When did you come to know him?
2: Well, I I, I look at that in two ways. One, um, I look at when I really, really understood what a relationship with Jesus was all about. That came a little little later in life. I was maybe around 20. But I've always thought that I knew Jesus. I knew something about him. And and, um, I started teaching Sunday school when I was 13 years old. So I I was already attuned to studying the word and and just my dad was one of those people who uh, he thought that if you had an education, that that the sky was the limit. And so we had books we read um, and that was what went on in our house. You can you can be anything you want to be. And we had Bible study at home. Uh, We had a, a team of people that would come in and we my mom and dad did Bible study and we had to be there and listen. Um, so I always knew pretty much that I had a relationship with Jesus. But when, when I turned 20 and I heard um, the the preacher say something that day, not anything different than what I'd always heard, but it just resonated with me. And I knew that that relationship had gone to another level.
1: So how did that impact your relationship with Jesus after that
2: point? Well, of course, I was baptized. I, it just it was just like walking into a, a room that's dimly lit and you, you know it's some light in there, but when somebody turns on a, a, a really bright light or a searchlight, my you get it. And so I got it and it, it just changed my whole life. I, I, I won't say that it changed it in such a way that I was way different. But it was like I was different from the inside out. I knew what I had seen other people uh, receive and go through. I saw many people, even when as a young, I saw a lot of my friends go up and join the church during revival. And I knew that it wasn't my time. I knew that there was something more to being a believer than just being a member of a church. And so when it happened, it was just profound. And it changed me.
1: That's so beautiful. And we know that you are very involved in church ministry um, in your local congregation. So can you tell us a little bit more about what your role in ministry looks like outside of the Dream Center?
2: Oh, wow. Um, my role of ministry outside the Dream Center. I connect the two. I really connect the two. Um, it's I believe that ministry is a 24-7, but if you want to really get technical and say, well, what, what dotted line is your name on as far as ministry at your church? Um, I'm children children's pastor. Uh, I've been at this, I haven't been at this church where I'm worshiping now for a while, just a short period of time, but I am children's pastor. Uh, prior to that, I was children and youth pastor at the church where I was baptized and where I received baptism in the Holy Ghost. So, um, I know that my reference point in ministry is children, and so that's basically where I spend most of my time dramatics um, in the creative arts ministry uh dramas um, pageants that sort of thing and it's usually um, more more of the children's ministry or youth ministry than anything else
0: so I know that ministry is 24 seven and I appreciate you saying that because it is uh, for all of our lives. I had a, you know, in my story, I had a struggle of unhooking from that. Um, But God's teaching me in that role. And, but one of the things that I I heard you say is that, you know, the dream center and your ministries are connected. Um, And I can see that in your life and how you deal with people. And when they come in, your love um, is shown to whoever walks through our doors so tell us about how you came to the Dream Center and, and about your specific role that you're doing right now here on campus.
2: That's so funny, my, my, how I got connected. Church. I have a friend, well, several friends, but one in particular, um, Petrina Matonis and I, we attended the same church and very vibrant, vibrant ministry and we kind of separated. We parted ways. Um, the, um, and she started, I think she started volunteering here at the Dream Center. Now, I lived in Greenville at the time. And um, she and I would connect just for lunch or whatever. And she invited me to lunch to tell me about she was so excited about volunteering at the Dream Center. And um, so I said, okay, I'll give it a whirl. And I came over and I caught the fever. I volunteered with the um, salad shop, and every every opportunity I had, I was back here volunteering. And, of course, that led to um, a staff position, that sort of thing. And one thing led to another, and I'm still here. At this point, I am—I I guess you would say I'm the front door. That's what our executive director likes to call intake and crisis intervention. I am the uh, coordinator for crisis intervention, which is basically— Folks who are in crisis situation come to us and we talk to them about it. I won't say we counsel, but we do share the love of Jesus Christ. And then we refer them out. And the uh, another area that I'm in becoming more involved in is our diversity and unity uh, department, if you want to call it that. I, I guess I should say ministry. And this is where um, it's very new, but it's going to extract kind of be an expression of our director's vision of bringing the church together to unify the body so that if we become unified, then out there in the world, if they see the unification, then that's a good model. And I think we're going to do it.
1: I love that so much. And you've even had opportunities in the last few months to have different presentations and different exercises and things like that. I know that they've been very impactful for me and I'm sure as well for the rest of the staff here at the Dream Center. So with crisis intervention, you obviously see so many different types of people that come in and in different levels of of crisis and need, whatever that may be. Is there one person or one situation that may stick out to you where you witness life transformation
2: here at the Dream Center? Oh, my goodness. That... You know, there can be so many instances. And the beauty of crisis intervention, the beauty of the Dream Center as a whole, sometimes you don't see the transformation right away. But I remember, I recall our director was in the Santa Shop area, and this was back during either November or December. I think it was December. And she shared something with with us about um, an individual, a lady who had, Come into the center, and she had an intake, which is what crisis intervention is. It's an interview, and I interviewed her. Didn't even. There are days when I interview someone, and I'm, 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 I'm sharing more about Jesus Christ because that's what they need. That's what they want. That's what you you you're being led into. Uh, And so sometimes it's more about Jesus than it is about. A house or a home or um, the the light bill being paid, that sort of thing because those are crisis uh situations that folks have, but a lot of times we wind up talking more about Jesus because the questions keep coming so and, and I, I guess maybe that was the the case that day, uh, but at any rate, this was what two three years ago, and this lady was telling her the director about how. The interview that day took a turn, and, and it was more about Jesus. And that at some point along the way, whether it was there or afterward, that she came to know Jesus as her Lord and Savior. And she said that it was because of that. And that's not, that's not about me. It's about the, 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 the power of the gospel because we all do that during our intakes. But to me, that's transformation even if it takes a year if it, if it if it happens during the interview and sometimes it does and i can tell you i can remember at least two or three other instances where someone really their life was transformed and that's that's what it's all about we're more about jesus than we are about anything else
0: we have a lot of things that we see when people come in a lot of life change a lot of transformation uh, just like the lady that you mentioned just a second ago. And, and, and I have seen that. I think, I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of times it's more about me learning than and from other folks and their situations uh, than me being able to teach them. And so I have learned a lot of lessons. And so um, as we sit here, since you've been at the Dream Center, um, what is something you've learned over the years while serving at the Dream Center that maybe has radically changed uh, the way you think or or, the, or your thoughts on a certain situation, or just maybe it just spoke to you in a, in a special way?
2: I, I really can't put my finger on anything specific, but overall I have... I've learned, um, i worked uh, initially, after volunteering for so long, I worked at the Shine Soup Kitchen. And my experiences there changed my whole thought patterns. That I, I used to hear people say, well, you know, homeless people this, or poor people that, or, you know, people that live on the street. They had so many opinions of why uh, people are the way they are. And sometimes it was it was a little more negative than anything else. But from the time that I started at the soup kitchen until my, to today, sitting here, I, I, I clearly understand that there are situations that people cannot rise above if they don't have help from somebody else. And the word of God is so specific. God says, I'm my brother's keeper. And he does not call out any specific people as being my brother, but that every person that I meet. And so I learn how to love people. And, and my prayer has always been, uh, since I've been here and even prior to coming here, is that, Lord, teach me, show me how to love people the way that you love them. And I have become, uh, I, of anything else that I know that has happened in my life, I'm, I know how to love people. And I'm not, I'm not finished yet. I believe that when the church when we as, as believers understand the Word of God to that extent, wow, what a change that, that there can be.
0: You know, you just said you know that you love people. Can you give me an example of how Christ has worked in your life to love people more?
2: Oh, now that's a good one, Joey. <laughs> I, I think just the experiences just hearing their experiences and knowing how fortunate and how blessed i am that that and i'm no better than them i'm 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 just the same he loves them just like he loves me and he loves me just like he loves them to the very same extent and i am just i am in awe when i think of the love of god and the love of jesus and and what if we embrace the love that he has for us, if we embrace that for other people, what we can do.
0: You know, I heard yesterday in a message uh, from my pastor, he said, we are terminally loved. And I have been just wrestling and turning that over in my brain. And that means that there's nothing um, that I could do or somebody else that would do to me that would stop him from loving me in my good days and my bad days, um, he loves me, and 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 that just mm. kind of radically changes the way that we can minister to folks, even every day when they come in and they go, nobody's going to be able to love me, mm. and we can say, well, you are terminally loved by a savior,
1: right. and that's the beauty of the gospel is that in a society that tells us that we should count the wrongs that have happened in our lives or the things that we've done incorrectly or our failures um, that we should cast people out and we should cancel people. I guess you could say that's the new trend right now is cancel culture um, that the gospel rises above that and that we as believers, we get to be the ones that share and extend grace and forgiveness and hope to them. And that can only be found through God's love for us and that forgiveness is an, and it's a, the greatest expression um, of love and obviously we see that through the personhood of jesus um, forgiving us for our sins on the cross and that he provides a hope
0: and we have the opportunity as staff to tell people about that
2: absolutely it, even more so that we show them right yeah. and i have i think of, of, of all of the things that i knew that i brought here with me the one thing of showing Rather than telling has really come into play quite a bit. there There's times when we don't even speak, but it's the things that we do that speaks volumes to an individual. And I think that that is that that sometimes, no matter who we are, we just need somebody to love us. No matter what situation we're in, If you extend that love to that person, I, I've seen people leave here. They've come in with a need and they leave here that need has not been met but they found that 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 love of Jesus Christ transcended that need and yeah. so they went away with as if they were so full of everything Absolutely. and so that that if if there's anything that that I've learned in this 9 years that I've been with the dream center is that When I show love, that Jesus is going to bring that back to me in some way or another, and it's going to make me a better person. and It's also going to make that person that I come in contact with a better person, too. They may not know it. They may not even feel it right away, but it's going to work. It's going to work on them.
1: It's like what you said at the beginning about when you understood what it meant to follow Jesus, in a real radical way when you were, you know, in your early twenties, mm-hmm. that's what we get to do. We get to walk into the room. Others get to walk into the room that we're in. Um, they may be coming in with a dim light, you know, no light at all, mm-hmm. but we get to speak life and hope over them to where they walk out full of life, full of light, like you were explaining. And that's the mark of a, of a Christian. That's the, that's the charge that we have as believers so that, just seeing that, even in our time just talking, how full circle that is, that that's mm-hmm. what you get to do mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, what Jesus did for you is what we get to do for the sake of others. We get to minister to other people from the things that have happened in our own experiences.
2: You know, thats it's kind of funny that um, I, as I listened to what you just said, uh, Tatum, my children, I'm, I'm beyond the retirement age, and my children ask me periodically, sometimes a lot more than I wish they would, but they'll ask me, well, when are you going to retire? You know, you already passed retirement age. What in the world are you doing, mama? But they don't understand. You never, you never, you just don't leave the ministry. When, When Jesus has a hold on you, it's not drudgery, it's not work, it's not tiresome, it's not burdensome. When you know what you know, you want you want others to know it too. You want them to have what you have. And it's like you say, you walk into a into a room and you should bring light to that room. And it should be it, it will shine on everybody. And, and and there is not, I don't care how much money you have, how much power or prestige, there is nothing like to know that the gospel has changed you and you can help to somebody else to, to make a change as well for all of eternity, for all of eternity.
0: And you said just a second ago that crisis intervention is the doorway into the Dream Center. And I believe that. I've been looking forward to this interview because uh, I will tell you that the right person is in that place. Because there's been a lot of times that I felt, I don't know if anybody understands the situation that I'm going through. And you've walked into my office and you've sat down and said, hey, uh what's going on? Let's talk. And there's not a time goes by that I have not been able to to share and and throw out what's going on in my life that you have not spoken life back into me. And and I appreciate that that means that means a lot because in some in some regards it, it, and you know my situation and what's going on in, in my household and and some things that I have brought to the table that I'm like I need help with this and not one time did you say I don't have anything for you hmm. but you always let it back to scripture and from there you let scripture speak and and I have to say that I appreciate that and uh, that means a lot. And so, um, speaking of that, and giving encouragement, people are listening today. What piece of encouragement would you share with people that are listening that they just need? They just need a word today. Hey, listen. There's not. There's not a. Um, a, like, there's not a moment for ministers like us to go. Okay, I can't. I I'll speak into that. <laughs> but uh, so, what is that you would say to somebody listening that maybe needs some encouragement today?
2: I guess this is something that I really haven't been able to get away from, and that is the church. And I I, I would think that there are a lot of uh, people who consider themselves in one of two places that I'm 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 a member of a church. And then that I'm a believer. I am really a believer. And i like to just maybe encourage both of those groups that Dr. Martin Luther King said, it is the time is always right to do what is right. And I think that when we look at the scripture, you you may not find those very words or that combination of words, but you're going to find it there in God's word that doing what's right is always fashionable, and and something you said a little while ago, Tatum, about um, the trend, um, whatever that phrase you used. You know, trends come and go, but the word of God is 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 for every season, for every season. But I believe that the season is now for the church. I believe that no matter what happens, no matter what goes on. So who? So what, who's in the the White House? It's the White House, it's just the White House. It is not, God's not there. He could be there if we allow him to be there. He could be anywhere that he wants to be if we take him or if we allow him to be there. And so I think the role of the church, if I were to say, give a word to anybody about anything, there is not a problem anywhere that we cannot solve if we go back to the word of God. The, the solution is in the word. And church, church members, believers, stand on what is right. Do what is right. And God will honor his word as long as that's what we do. And racial reconciliation, bam, we've got it. We've got it. But the church has got to get in its place and stand there and not be movable by trends. But take that word and live by it. And it's just like that light coming into that dark room. It's going to make that room brighter. Light, darkness does not run light. Light runs darkness. And if the church gets a hold of that, that we are light, we're going to run this darkness out of this world. I believe it.
0: Amen and amen. Hey, I, I want to say that it has been an honor and a privilege uh, to be here and have you join us, Simone. And and uh, I, I appreciate your encouragement.
1: I know I'm super fired up, so <laughs> I don't know if anybody else is fired up. But that was,
2: you're preaching. That's good.
0: That's right. So thank you for joining us. And uh, I'm looking forward to the days ahead as we serve together.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me, you and Tatum.
1: And everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on Stories of Hope. We will see you next time. And remember, one person can't do everything, but every person can do something.
0: Thanks for joining us today for Stories of Hope. For more information about the Dream Center, visit our website at dreamcenterpc.org. Additional resources related to today's episode can be found in our podcast show notes.